Pastor Brian. And thank you to Nancy who made all those um, flyers, I mean those cards, those business cards for the church. You know, you think, oh, I'm not sure who's still handing out business cards. Well, Martisa is making use out of all of them. So, <laughs> but they, they, they're great. You know, you never know. They come in handy. So that is awesome, awesome. Okay. Well, uh, happy belated Thanksgiving if I didn't already say that to you. Hope you had a great time with your family. Yes. It's awfully quiet. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to continue uh, with part two. If you missed part one, I'm going to recap a little bit on what I was talking about, and that was healing the wounds. I thought it's appropriate time of the year since we're having t- that had Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. Uh, it's a lot. It's a time where there tends to be a lot of offense that can spring up or happen, or maybe that you've carried for years and uh, that you have to deal with. And so unforgiveness is a big part of just the human journey. And uh, I'm going to recap a little bit about what I talked about in the first um, message. And I used an illustration, and for the sake of keeping, for those people that missed that, I'm going to use it again. So uh, before we put up the picture, let me preface it. My mom, uh, we had to increase some steroids for her. She developed a blood blister. I'm giving you the abbreviated version on her leg. We took her to the doctors. The doctors said, just, you know, cover it, protect it. Um, needless to say, they weren't giving us the right advice because later on, they, uh, the wound doctors called us and said, no, bring her in immediately. That's not the way you take care of it. You actually have to uh, drain it and cut it out and do all gross things to it uh, right away. You've got to clean it and get it off because she said, underneath that blood blister, this is actually dying. The, the skin is dying. So let's go ahead. Uh, if you don't want to see it, keep your eyes closed. For the rest of everybody, that was the size of the blood blister. Again, it was the size of my hand. So just so you understand how big that was. Okay, we'll take it down. Don't want to gross them out. But it, you have to get the visual of what uh, we were going through. And they said underneath it, it was actually dying. And the lady said it would die all the way to the bone if you kept it like that, if you protected it. And while I was uh, writing my, uh, my message, uh, the Lord gave me a word as I was writing. And I know the difference because it'll come up in my spirit and it uh, doesn't sound like me and, uh, as I'm typing. And so I'm going to read it again because I thought it was so powerful what he said when I was thinking about this and unforgiveness and how it affects us. Uh, he said this, the Lord said, this is what happens when my people protect their wounds instead of letting me heal them. They begin to slowly die inside and they don't even know it. They protect the hurt they suffered and focus on it and wrap it in all their attention and conversation and they don't bring it to me. They think they can heal it on their own, but their way is causing more harm. The longer they let it fester, bitterness and resentment begin to grow in their heart. Now, just like the blood in the blister clotted and thickened and became unhealthy, so the unforgiveness clogs their heart. What is supposed to be your wellspring of life, your inner man, where life's essence flows through, it gets clogged up. And now the blood and the heart become unhealthy and sick. Such a powerful uh, visual that the Lord gave me as, as I wrote that. And, and we went on. You see it all through the scripture. Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, he says, look, it's impossible that offense should come. Impossible. You're going to get let down. You're going to get disappointed. You're going to get betrayed. You're going to have offenses happen to you. It's absolutely impossible because guess what? We are human and you're dealing with other humans as well. But what are we supposed to do with this offense when it comes? I'll do a, uh, let's do a poll. How many people since the last time I spoke, which was two weeks ago, already had to deal with some sort of offense? Thank you very much. I rest my case, okay? This is just what happens. It just, it just inevitably is going to happen to us. So what do we do? What does the Bible say that we're supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle this? If you know something terrible is coming, what is your game plan for when it comes? You know you're going to have to go to the dentist at some point in your life. And man, you'd think they're putting real gold in your mouth for the amount that they charge, right? So if you don't have an industry to go into, become a dentist because they're raking it in. That's all I can say. But um, 
You save, right? You put the money away because you know something's going to come. So what kind of game plan do you have for what Jesus said is impossible for you to avoid? You need a game plan. You need to know what am I going to do when that offense comes? How am I going to walk through it? How am I going to handle it? Or what am I going to do with the offense that I've carried since I was a child? Because your ability to process and navigate and deal with this offense will determine the direction of your life in years to come. Because God will promote you to the level and tolerance of your pain. The time, the place you get to where you say, God, that's enough. Oh, I can't take any more criticism. I can't take one more bad word. I'm, I'm just too, I can't handle one more offense coming at me. Your promotion will stop. Because in the world, the same as in the ministry, same in God's kingdom. In the world, the world needs CEOs. They need problem solvers. They need people that can handle the criticism that comes at them. Same thing in the ministry. How, where, at what level is your stopping point? At what level can God use you in the relationships around you, in the call that he's got for you? Are you too sensitive? Are you too thin-skinned? Are you too like, oh, why? Are they gossiping about me over there? What are they saying? They must be talking about me because they're talking quietly. They were actually just praying, but, you know. <laughs> Is that your worldview? Are you constantly thinking about who's talking about you, who's hurting you, what you're doing? Because that's the level you will stop at in God's kingdom. But it's hard because there's things that happen. There are people that are deliberately mean. There are people that deliberately hurt and betray when they should have loved. And I think one of the, the big things too is unspoken expectations. It's the silent killer. Because we have these, we don't voice it properly, even if you think you voiced it. And you get let down because the person didn't respond the way you thought they should have responded. And maybe they actually do really care, but they did ABC and you were wanting XYZ. So your expectation is let down. It wasn't even intentional, it just was. So there's hurt. I mean, it happens in marriages all the time, right? It's people are, are two different people, which you like, you want the person to be different than you, but that also causes issues. Because oh, they're not loving me like I need to be loved. Or I'm doing this for them and they're not doing that. Why can't they do this? The problem is what you focus on will grow. And we have a tendency to get so focused on what somebody's not doing. Or what they did do. Or what they should have done. That we just begin, that becomes all we see. And now you can't even see the fact that, oh, actually, they're being a really great parent. Or actually, maybe they're really supportive. All we see is the lack. All we see is what they could have done or should have done. And what begins to happen is that begins to grow in your heart. Resentment begins to grow in your heart and literally pushes the love out. If you could picture the scene. Because that is what is growing. It is a challenge. Marriage is more of a challenge than anything because you're with that person every single day, right? You see them every single day. So there's an every single moment of the day to wake up and be like, oh, here's that problem again. <laughs> God created marriages so that he could work on you. Because we actually think we're pretty, we think we're pretty together until we get married. We actually think we're pretty all right. We're like, I'm a great person. I like do everything correct until you get married. Then you're like, oh, am I this flawed? <laughs> I didn't realize I was so easily irritated, you know? <laughs> so all these things start to surface and God's like, mm -hmm, now we can really start to work on some of these issues, right? And he gives you this opportunity to grow in love and grow in him and, and work through things, right? And Jesus said, look, it's going to happen. There's going to be misunderstandings. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get betrayed in life. It's just what's going to happen. But we don't want to get stuck in a season that we were only meant to walk through once. We want to be advancing in life. We want to be advancing in relationships. And most importantly, we want to be advancing with the Lord. And I'm not trying to minimize things. I know people have been through horrific events in their life. Some people, horrible stories I wouldn't even want to repeat. And I'm not trying to minimize that. 
I understand that offense hurts. I understand. You're human. It hurts because it mattered. They were supposed to love you. They were supposed to be there for you. That was never supposed to happen to you. I get it. The offense hurts. And it's okay to acknowledge the hurt. It's okay. That's human. The issue comes when we hold on to it. What happens when we hold on to the hurt? We're going to read Matthew chapter 18 and verse 31. To give you a little preface of the story of what's happening there, um, this is Jesus and he's busy telling a parable and he's telling them about the kingdom of heaven and I'm not going to read you the whole parable, thank you. He's, he's using this story about a guy who comes to the king who owes, the, the scriptures say he owes like a million dollars, all right? And the, the king says to him, well, you need to be thrown into the prison. You need to be tortured. Your family is going to all be sold because you need to pay this debt off. And he begs and he pleads. He says, please don't, please don't, you know, I, I, I can't pay it, please. And so the king forgives him the million-dollar debt. The same guy then leaves, goes down the street, and runs into a guy who owes him $100. And the guy begs and says, look, I'll pay you back. I, I just don't have the money right now. I'll, same thing he said to the king. And he says, no, throw him into the prison to be tortured until he pays the money. Well, of course, this gets back to the king. So we'll pick up reading verse 31. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Jesus continues to say that that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So not just with your lips, but from your heart. These are Jesus' words, folks. He's saying from the parable that you're going to be put into a tormented place until you forgive. When we read the scripture, we've got to read what it actually says, not what we want it to say. Because that's what the scripture is. This is the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. It's in our instruction manual. Let's see, let's see if Jesus softens up his tune. Let's see what else he says. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Everybody should know this. This is our Father. He's teaching the disciples there. He's teaching them how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know the, the rest of it. Your kingdom come, your, your will be done. And he gets to the part where he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We like to stop right there. That's good. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the day. But let's just keep reading it in context. Let's read the next one, verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That verse right there should scare you. It should frighten you a little bit. Because I just gave you two from Jesus' mouth where he says, there's something that you can do to prevent God from forgiving you. Folks, this is serious scripture. I don't like that. Just let's tear that page out, okay? Let's just get rid of that one because that's not one we want to. Let's just skip on. That's the daily reading. Let's just turn the page. Let's not actually let the word come and pierce our heart and bring change. There is a reason why Jesus says this. It's so, so important. What is he talking about when he says he's not going to forgive our sins? That frightens me. I want my sins forgiven. What Jesus is not talking about, though, is he's not talking about your eternal salvation. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. 
type amen online. You're happy if you're online, type amen. You're listening to that one. You don't, this is not your eternal salvation. The reason we know that is because your eternal salvation can only be bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's his sacrifice and his sacrifice alone that paid for you to have his righteousness. Your brand new spirit is a result of Jesus dying on the cross. You cannot earn it or deserve it. Therefore, you cannot let it go by something of your choice without fully denying him. Of course, you can choose to deny Jesus, walk away, live in rebellion, and, and you, you can miss heaven. Of course you can. But I'm talking about if you're actively serving the Lord, there's not a, a daily sin that you could commit that would stop you from going to heaven. That doesn't mean we want to live in a, a, a sin. You understand where I'm going, right? I'm not doing a whole message on sin. Stick with me, people. So what is he talking about? I want to break down two words for you first. The first one is grace. Grace means undeserved favor. Grace is when you get the promotion at work and you shouldn't have got it because there's five other people ahead of you, right? You're like, man, I should never have gotten that. That's grace. Mercy, on the other hand, mercy is not getting what you deserved. If a judge shows the criminal, lets him off easy, he showed him mercy. Okay? Mercy is not getting what you deserve to get. What this scripture, what these scriptures are talking about is when you sin daily, your daily mess ups, your daily mistakes, your daily, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have. You know, all those things, the daily sins, that is what mercy is for. That is what he is saying the forgiveness is for. He is saying, I'm not going to forgive your daily sins if you don't forgive. And you might be thinking, well, I, I don't really think I have that many daily sins. <laughs> okay. The problem is God's standard is so much higher than ours. Let me show you what the scripture says. The scripture says that if you look at a person lustfully, you've already committed adultery. What? The scripture says, if you hate someone in your heart, you've already committed murder. So according to God, you're an adulterous murderer. So you need his mercy. God goes on to say, my mercies are new every morning. Every morning they're new. Because guess what? You're going to need them. Because you probably sin three times before your feet hit the ground out of bed. So you're grateful when you wake up in the morning, you should be like, Lord, thank you for today's mercies. Thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you. I receive the mercy for today because I need it. But what he is saying is if you won't forgive, then that mercy, you won't be shown. You won't be shown that mercy. Picture the offense that you're holding on to, the unforgiveness, the hurt, the anger, whatever it is, that offense that you're holding on to, it becomes like a shield blocking God's mercy. So his mercy is coming because it's new every morning. He can't stop it. He is mercy. He is love. Here comes the mercy and it bounces right off the shield of unforgiveness. It bounces right off that shield of offense that you're carrying. What does, a life look out, what does a life look like without God's mercy? Well, you get everything you deserved. You're texting while driving. <laughs> mercy, that cop drove right on by. No mercy, here's a $300 ticket. You call your boss, you say, I'm stuck in traffic, that's why I'm late. Mercy, you get away with it. No mercy, you didn't know your boss was standing two people behind you in the Starbucks line. <laughs> your husband took the car seat to work with him, so now you had to strap your kid in the back seat with all the seat belts you could find, tie them down, and the cop pulled up next to you. Mercy, he'd keep driving. No mercy, $400 fine. You need God's daily mercy. You do not want to get what you deserve daily. 
Let's read Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. Matthew 5 and verse 23 says, Jesus speaking again, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. What that is talking about is coming to church. So the altar, they're bringing their sacrifice. You're bringing your offering to the Lord. You're coming into church. You're coming to worship. You're bringing your sacrifice. You're bringing your worship. You're bringing your offering. The Bible says before you come, go and make right with the person that's offended, that's hurt. Go reconcile with your brother. Go resolve the issue with your sister. Go resolve the issue with your friend. Go and make it right. And interestingly enough, this scripture is saying it's not even you who has the offense. It's when you know somebody else is offended with you. And you're like, but it's not even on me. I don't even, I'm not even, why are they all upset at me? I don't even know. They're all offended and bitter and la da 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 da. But you're supposed to go to them. I mean, there's also scripture saying if you've, if you've got the offense, you go to your brother. So it goes both ways. But this particular one is saying you go. If you hang around me long enough, if I find out somebody's offended, I will call you that day. I'll say, what's going on? Because I heard, I, I said something, you got upset, tell me what I said. Because honestly, there's no offense in my heart. I didn't mean it, so let me make it right. I'll say sorry right now because I obviously didn't mean it, and I don't want Satan to come in the midst of this. So let me apologize. What did I do? Because that, that's the heart. I don't want that. But that's what it's saying. It's saying, go and do this. Go and make right before you come back to church. I think if people actually followed this passage, I think Dre and I would have to start the service a little later because we'd wait for everybody to get back. They've all gone to make amends. We're going to delay well, waiting for everybody to get back from resolving the issue. Making it right. Friends, there's no use trying to talk to God until you've made right with your brother or your sister. Until you're on speaking terms, fix it up. You might be wondering, why do I feel like my prayers aren't being answered? Man, I'm really using my faith. I'm really trusting God for these things. And it just seems like nothing's being answered. Like my prayers aren't being heard. Nothing is changing. Check your heart. Check your heart. Because holding on to offense could be blocking your blessing. That same offense that acts like a shield stopping the mercy is the same one blocking the blessing. Check your heart. Jesus gives us so many reasons why we're supposed to forgive. So many. And I mean, we see it all through Scripture and we see it in our personal lives. I think most of us realize how resentment impacts your mind. It, it's, it's proven now. It impacts the mind. But it also takes a physical toll on your body. It's clinically proven now that they say that an attitude of bitterness triggers tension and anxiety. Of course, you can have tension and anxiety without having, uh, without having any kind of bitterness, but it's saying an attitude of bitterness. That means it's actively part of your life. You're dealing with this. You're struggling with it. It triggers tension and anxiety. It goes on to say, which can affect everything from muscles to chemical balance in the brain. Over time, that kind of stress, it says, weakens the body. Could it be that what you're holding on to is the cause of, man, I've got a lot of back pain lately. Man, I'm really struggling with this migraine. Is it your body actually reacting to the bitterness that you're carrying? Unforgiveness plays such an important part, not just physically. It also affects your spiritual growth. It hinders your prayers. It stops you from advancing. It stops God's daily mercy, God's daily blessings from coming to you. And it stops you from keeping on growing in who you're supposed to be. 
I want to play you this little clip. I came across it and I thought it was very appropriate for the moment. How many people have seen the movie Forrest Gump? Okay, if you haven't, that is your assignment for the week. Go home and watch it. We'll just play you the short clip. Thank you, guys. We'll have the look. Sometimes, I guess there just aren't enough rocks. See, what happens is we as movie watchers, we understood that she threw the rocks because she never healed from what happened in that house. That abuse that she suffered as a child, she never healed from it. She was still suffering as an adult. What you're seeing is all the anger and all the hatred that she had thrown through those rocks. The Bible tells us that we don't need more rocks. That we need to heal. We need to heal from the past. We need to heal. We need to let it go in order to, for us to live our lives in a healthy way. There's a time to put the rocks down and begin to heal. The way you do that is with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the first step to your healing. In order to heal, you have to forgive. The power to heal yourself is in the forgiveness. You can heal. You can go on. It can become a memory, something that you've let go of, something that God has healed you from. God can bring beauty from the ashes. He can turn everything that happened to you around for his good. But in order for that to happen, you have to heal first. The power to heal yourself is in the forgiveness. And when healing doesn't happen, that's when bitterness and resentment set in. Wounds that are neglected become infected. And if you don't heal the wound, you'll bleed on people that didn't cut you. You'll bleed on your spouse for what your dad did to you. You'll bleed on your kids for what your spouse is doing to you. You'll bleed on your employees for what your previous boss did to you. Because you're not healing the wound. Jesus doesn't tell us to forgive for flippant reasons. He knows how important it is. He also knows that when you don't forgive... Not only are you blocking his mercy, blocking the blessings, but you've opened up a back door for the enemy. In this world, in the spirit world, there is only evil and good. There is only God's angels and demons. That's it. No third option. You're influenced by one of the two. Everybody is. Let's look at it. I'll give you scripture. Acts chapter 8, verse 21. Acts chapter 8, verse 21. 
says this. Okay, let me tell you what's happening. So Peter's out preaching. Simon the sorcerer, get, he gets saved, first of all. But then he sees them being filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's like, whoa, this is cool. I want this power. How do I have this power, right? So Peter, this is what Peter says to him. Verse 21, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Poisoned by bitterness. Poisoned was the word he chose to use. And bound by iniquity. Folks, demons are like sharks. My husband makes me watch the shark channel when it's the shark week. Help me, Jesus. Daily mercy. Uh, but sharks are drawn and attracted by blood in the water. Demons are attracted by unforgiveness. And they swim in through the door into your life through bitterness. There's a man by the name of Dr. Bob Larson. He's widely regarded as one of the foremost um, uh, uh, exorcists and men on deliverance, probably worldwide. He's documented, they've documented over 30,000 deliverances or exorcisms. And I, I've, listened to, <laughs> I've listened to his audiobook where they like follow him around and he delivers people. Woo! It's for real. Like he, he just in two seconds gets the demon to manifest. It's, it's crazy. But he, he says that the number one reason outside of America, when you travel to other countries, the number one reason why people have demons in their life. Now you can have, you can be oppressed by a demon. A demon can be in your body. It can be in different places. If you're a Christian, it can't be in your spirit, but it can be in a lot of other places, harassing your mind. Take the demonology course at Bible college. I'm not going to get into it now. But you can have them, even as a Christian. So he says in the rest of the world, the number one reason that 80% of the people in other countries have demons is because of witchcraft. He said in America, the number one reason 80% of the people that he meets have demons is because of one word, abuse. 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 Unresolved hurt and resentment. The abuse could be my parents got divorced when I was a kid and, I don't and my dad didn't handle it right. They said this and this to me and it carried it for the rest of my life. I got divorced. I went through this and this and this. I, it was abuse. It was unresolved hurt. It was resentment. Some form of hurt that came in to your heart that was never resolved. And what that has done, it has opened up a door for the enemy to come in. The problem is we have a culture that says you have a right. You have a right to be upset. You have a right to still be mad. Oh, I'd be so mad. You have a right to hold on to that. You have a right. They don't know what you've been through. You have a right. You're right. You do have a right. But so does Satan. He has a right now to legally hold on to you. If you don't know, God creates laws that he himself abides by in his very courts in heaven he abides by his own laws and one of them are when you are in unforgiveness blocking his mercy blocking his bitterness you have opened the door to the enemy legally he cannot intervene in your situation. He cannot stop what's happening. He cannot intervene because legally Satan has a right to be there because you've opened the door. You're praying to God. He says, stop, fix that. I can't help you. Fix it. People say, but I can't forgive. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. It's impossible. You're right. It might be impossible in the natural, but God would never ask you to do something that's impossible because that wouldn't be a fair God and he is a good God. You can't forgive with your human nature, but you no longer have a human nature. You have Christ's nature. You have the living Christ inside of you. And he will enable you to do it. 
Dwayne, would you come up and play the keys for me? We forgive because Jesus forgave us. I know when we hear that, we think, well, Jesus forgave us, of course, for all the sins I'm committing. Yes, you're right. But do you realize that Jesus also forgave you for putting him on the cross? You picked that hammer up. You and I, because of our sins, we picked that hammer up. We put him there. We whipped him. We put him on that cross. Our sins. And not only does he, did he pay the price for your sins, but in that moment, he chose to forgive us. He forgave us. How could he do that? And what he did is he gave you that ability to forgive too. Because if you don't forgive, if you don't forgive, the devil is standing by with demons of oppression, with demons of anxiety, with suicidal thoughts, with demons of drugs and alcohol, with demons of same-sex attraction, with demons of worthlessness. He's standing ready with demons and he is saying, please, please, please hold on to your reasons. Hold on to your reasons. You're right. Nobody knows how you feel. Nobody, that church doesn't know what you've been through. God doesn't know. Jesus doesn't understand what you've been through. Hold on. Hold on. Keep holding on to that reason to not forgive so I can hold on to my reason to keep holding on to you. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Because we've been through stuff, we've done stuff, none of us are perfect. And maybe because you were hurt, you were hurting others. We've all done stuff in our life that we can look at and go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I feel so much shame, I feel so much remorse, I feel so much regret. But the problem is, the longer you hold on to not forgiving yourself, you're doing exactly what I just said. You're opening that door to the enemy. You forgave that other person. You've forgiven the worst of the worst, but you won't forgive yourself. You have to let go of the shame. You have to be able to look back and talk about a situation without the shame. You have to take it to God once and for all and give it to him and say, God, I'm sorry I've ever did this. Forgive me. And he says, I do instantly. God says he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. So it's done. It's done. When I met my husband, I told him, there's things I'm never going to tell you about my past. Because I took them to God and him and I have forgotten about him. And I refuse to be shamed by them ever again. Now that's the way I am. You don't have to, you do what you need to do. I'm not trying to tell you. I'm just trying to ex explain to you that I refuse to be shamed by something that's in my past. If God doesn't, who are you to do it? God has forgiven me. God has forgiven you. If you will make it and say this today, I draw the line in the sand today. Today is the day I let it go. Today is the day I never talk about it again. And if I have to, it's under the blood of Jesus. And it's brief and it's not in detail because I barely remember the details. Stand with me this morning. There's an anointing here today to help you. The anointing that breaks the yoke, that breaks the bondage. For some of you, you need to forgive yourself. Right now in this moment, you need to forgive yourself because you've been tormented. You're wondering why things aren't happening. You're wondering why your prayers aren't being answered. You're wondering why these things, and maybe you're like, I've forgiven everybody, but did you forgive yourself? Take it to the Lord right now and say, God, I give it to you. That thing, that insecurity, that shame, that 
feeling of remorse. I give it to you, I'm done. Because God says, who are you to not forgive yourself when my son forgave you? Of that hideous, horrible thing he had to endure. Don't be prideful. Only a prideful heart would still hold on to being the victim in your own life. Don't step over there because then the Lord resists the proud. You don't want to be there. So right now, let it go. Let it go. Release it to God. And if there's somebody in your life, however heinous what they did to you is, trust me, you don't want to live with the demonic running havoc in your life and God not helping you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. They have no legal right to stay once you release, once you forgive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want my ministry team to come forward. I want to pray over people. You have felt like perhaps that is me. Perhaps because of that open door, I've had, I've been dealing with what could be demonic forces in my life, whether it's oppression, anxiety, whether it's stuff going wrong all the time, whatever it might be, and you're feeling like, man, maybe that is me. Well, what you've done, the first step was forgiveness. Now my team is going to pray, and they're going to take authority over that, that spirit and cast it off you, never to return because the legal door is being shut, and they will shut the door in the spirit once and for all, never to return. Taking authority over every single demonic force that's coming to your life, that's what they're going to do. That's the prayer. So if you feel like maybe that's me, I want, I want to make sure I'm free. I want freedom right now. You've released, you've released the forgiveness. I want you to take a step forward and get free today. Your life will never be the same. Just come down, come to each, any one of the prayer team. Come down front and get prayed for. Get that gone out of your system. Get on out of your life. You need somebody with the anointing to stand in agreement with you and pray over it. Come down right now. Shana, come pray. Come down right now. The gentlemen, the prayer team as well. Come down right now. This is a moment. There is an anointing for it. Don't, don't be so prideful to think, oh, I, I, I can't. I, I, I'm okay. Make sure I've got catchers, men, please, behind everybody. Come down right now. Make sure you have your freedom once and for all. Freedom. That's what Jesus offers. He offers you freedom. Deliverance. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Candace, come pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Take authority over that. Kirsten, Joey, do you want to come stand down here and pray for me? They're pastors, so if you don't know who they are. Prayer team. So if anybody needs prayer, they're right down front here as well. Just line it. Go. In the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. If you're in the audience, just pray in the Spirit. Keep praying. Thank you, Father, for the anointing. Thank you, Father, for the anointing that breaks the yoke right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, the name that's above every name. No longer will Satan hold them. No longer will Satan have them. No, in the name of Jesus, I speak freedom. I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Healing and restoration. I thank you for a time of restoration, God. I thank you for a time of advancement that's coming. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I need another male catcher. Michael, can I steal you? Are you waiting? Who's waiting? Get your freedom right now. Hold on to that. Today it's different. Today it changes. Today you're free. No more. No more shame. No more resentment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for the freedom. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Receive that. Some of you are being healed right now as you've let that unforgiveness go. You're being healed right now in your bodies. That demonic force is being broken off you. Right now, healing is coming in the name of Jesus. I sense the healing anointing of God flowing through this place right now. As people have let go, here comes the blessing. Here comes His mercy. Here comes His goodness. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the waves of healing hitting these people right now. Waves, Father. Waves, healing waves. Restoration waves in the name of Jesus. Financial breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. Financial release. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I speak freedom, wholeness, restoration. Newness, newness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you felt that unforgiveness leave, if you know it, I want you to begin to pro prophesy over your life. Begin to make declarations over your life that tomorrow is gonna be the day that you've been waiting for. Tomorrow is the day that you're gonna see everything change, that the freedom has come, that breakthrough has come, that your finances are being released, that that debt is paid, that our doors are opening for you. Begin to prophesy and declare over your life the Word of God because you're in alignment with the Most High. Nothing is blocking you. Nothing is holding you back. So begin to declare over your life what you want to see. Healing, restoration, long life, deliverance, walking in freedom, walking in all that God's got for you. Nothing will hold you back. Nothing will stop you. Declare it over your life right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I sensed in the spirit, I saw it. I saw like a wave of healing coming, restoration, everything coming. For some people, they didn't realize that that sickness, that, that backache, that migraine, that constant ache in your body is actually because of the, the back door, that demonic force that's been allowed in. I want you to know you're going to wake up, you're going to feel a difference tomorrow. There is people that were being healed as they stood here. I saw it. As, the, as you let go of the unforgiveness, the enemy had no chance. He is not legally allowed to stay anymore. So God's mercy is flooding on you. He's healing. His restoration power is being flooded over you.
those that were waiting for a breakthrough financially, it's being opened. The doors are being opened. The floodgates are being opened. As we go, remember this. Remember the importance of this message. Don't take it lightly. If you get upset, we get it. You get hurt. Okay, you take the day to process, whatever. But when you process, process without telling too many people about it. Process it with maybe just you and your husband or you and one friend. Don't go tell the world about it. Don't go gossip about it because of how hurt you are wanting everybody to be on your side. Because you're just going to have to call a lot of people back when you've forgiven them. Because you know now it's not your right anymore. You don't get to hold on to it. So don't make a big deal about it. You're allowed to process with the person. Because you have to say to them, look, I know I'm going to forgive them tomorrow. I'm just mad right now. But tomorrow I will forgive them. Because we have to live perpetually in forgiveness. If we want to achieve everything God's got for us, if you want to walk in the fullness, the higher ranks with the Lord, everywhere He wants to take you, you're going to have to do a lot of forgiving daily and keep that door shut to the enemy. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. Jesus loves you more.